This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we are on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle, from the second chair for the second chair. Welcome, Leading Second Podcast. Um, my name is Brian. I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second, and I'm really glad that you joined us today for our new mini-series called Summer Camp. For a lot of church staffs and teams, summer is a time of rest and slowing down before the fall busyness comes. And our goal with Summer Camp is to create a space where you can come to be refreshed and challenged as a leader. Just like the Leading Second Camp this past March, we're going to be speaking directly to the heart of second chair leadership. In today's episode, it'll be a little bit different than a normal one. And we're gonna be diving into an incredible message from the one and only Pastor Brandon Stewart, and then spend some time discussing how that impacts us as leaders in the middle and how we can practically implement these lessons in our leadership. You could be listening from the beach, the gym, your car, a flight to your next family vacation. No matter where you're listening from, we encourage you to lean into today's episode. But before we jump in, we're excited to announce a fresh initiative, a new part of Leading Second lineup, Leading Second Coaching Groups. We're launching a new reimagined and immersive coaching experience this fall of 2022, and applications are open right now, and we're excited for you to join us. So these groups are for you if you want to stretch your leadership capacity and gain tools for immediate application, develop personal leadership rhythms to help carry the weight of ministry with your pastors, join a tribe of thriving like-minded leaders and grow your network with other leaders serving in similar roles. Through these reimagined coaching groups, you'll be empowered to better lead and serve your church and have a supporting network of leaders to help you run strong for the kingdom. Coaching groups are for executive pastors, campus pastors, or anyone who serves on your church's leadership team. This one-year coaching group experience and new team of coaches also includes an on-site retreat this winter that you will not want to miss. We're believing God is going to use these groups to sharpen executive leaders in our church, and applications are due by August 11th, 2022. So head to our website, check out our Instagram, and consider applying. It will not be the same without you. For today's episode, we're talking about servants and stewards, and I'm really excited to ha have a great conversation with some incredible leaders. We've got Clark Burton and Kelly Goff joining us today. Uh, Clark, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone uh, your church and what do you get to do there? Hey, uh, I'm Clark, and I serve at Celebration Church in Nampa, Idaho, underneath uh, Pastors Roger and Kim Yaden. I'm the creative director, so I get to wear a lot of hats and mainly oversee worship and media departments. Awesome. And Kelly, why don't you let the people know, where are you from and what do you get to do? Hi, I'm Kelly and I come from The Rock Church in Goodyear, Arizona uh, with pastors Kevin and Melissa Goff. And I'm the location pastor of our Goodyear uh, location. So that encompasses all the things. Sweet. Well, glad to have you both. And in today's discussion, it's going to be a good one. So let's just jump right into this conversation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul is writing and he says this, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. 
servants of Christ, look how he's writing this, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Someone turn to your neighbor and say faithful. Turn to your second choice neighbor and say faithful. (laughs) Acknowledge them. Okay, context matters in scripture. Scripture cannot mean to us what it did not mean to original hearers. So context matters. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing to the the church in Corinth, the Corinthian church. This is a church that he founded. This is a church that sees him as a father figure in the faith. And while dad has been away, he's been on a journey, while dad has been away, the house uh, has got a little messy. Uh, They're dealing with, with quite a number of issues and uh, culture from the world is seeping in, and dad's not happy. And so dad is writing a letter to kind of clean up the house a little bit. Anyone ever walked into a really messy room? I know none of your houses are messy right now. Just think of the last time you walked into somebody else's. You know, um, you walked into a messy room. It can be overwhelming, right? Like, where do we start? And the only place to start is you just kind of start picking up something over here, and then you pick up something over there, and then you pick up something over here, and pretty soon the house is clean. That's why if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, he just zigzags and weaves from topic to topic to topic to topic. It's like dad's cleaning up the house. Dad is setting the house in order, and now he is on to the subject of leadership. He's on to the subject of leadership saying, I got a few things to say about us as leaders. He's defending himself but he's also sharing a biblical lens, a biblical look into church leadership, servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. How many of you know the gospel is a great mystery? He says we're stewards of the mysteries of God. Think about this. The gospel is a great mystery. How does this work? How did we all come together? It's a mystery. Can you explain it? How does a perfect God, a sovereign God, a holy God, come to an earth he created to seek and save lost and broken humanity? Like, how does that work? It's a mystery. How how does it work that we are joint heirs with Christ? That would blow your mind. It's a mystery. It's a beautiful mystery. The world thinks we're fools. The world thinks we're absolutely off our rocker, but we're not. We just know we're alive in the great mystery of God. This beautiful, incredible mystery that I have been saved and called out of darkness and into light, and my past is not my future, and I have a hope in the midst of chaos, like I I can be steady when the world feels like it's shaking. Like how does all that work? Show me how right now God is speaking the same thing to churches all over this world without us coordinating. How does it work? What is it? It's It's a mystery. Think about this. How did, how did this church come to be? How did your church, like it's a mystery. I wonder if you have eyes to see what is special about your house. 
I wonder if you have eyes to see what is beautiful about your house. When I talk to leaders, I realize that, you know, like sometimes like in this house, let's talk parallel church for a minute. In this house, your house is a lot like mine where we are stewarding churches today where men and women of God have gone before us for decades and built something and given and sown so that we could have something today. Think about it. The chair you're sitting in today, someone didn't go on a vacation so they could give in an offering to buy a chair so that someone could sit in it for years and hear the gospel preached to them. Like you're sitting on someone's sacrifice today. That's beautiful. When I'm home on the weekend, when I'm here today, like I am standing on a platform I did not build, naturally or spiritually. Someone else built this and paved the way for this. Like how, how did all that work? It's just a mystery. When I think of, of new church, church plants, new campuses, I think of courageous men and women and teams that are crazy enough to believe a, a city could be different yet again with a new expression of faith in a campus or a church. Like, I hope you have eyes to see, is what I'm saying, how special what you're a part of is. And that's what the Apostle Paul is speaking here. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. We, my friends, have been entrusted with this mystery, the, the most sacrificial, selfless men and women of God who have ever walked the earth, Christian leaders, disciples, greatest people who have ever touched this planet. The world, Hebrews chapter 10 says, the world is not worthy of them. Like, like we have today inherited a, a kingdom. We have inherited a movement that for 2,000 years, men and women have been willing to go to the greatest lengths to be, risk their lives, to smuggle Bibles across borders, to stand and build churches, to defy governments. Like the greatest men and women on the his, in the history of the world are our heritage. And it's like today, the baton of faith is in our hands. Like, so what you walked into here today in the church, in a gathering of leaders, this is anything but normal. This is anything but common. This is anything but a time waster on a Saturday morning. You're like, why in the world, you know, did I, did I skip being at home this morning? Because you came here because the mystery is awakened in you that we are stewards today. We are holding today. The very mystery of God. Okay, let's keep moving. So Paul is using two phrases here. I find this absolutely fascinating. Paul is using two distinct phrases to describe leaders. Servants of Christ. They're both beautiful. Servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay, let's, let's look at the original words. What is a servant? There's a lot of words in the Greek for servant. So the word that's used here, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Hyperitas, anybody speak Greek? All right, nope, neither do I. Um, that word, it means an under rower on a ship. It means a, a low servant, 
but it also refers to a servant serving as a free man. I want you to hear this. Not a slave, but a servant serving as a free man. In other words, the servant could go somewhere else, but they voluntarily choose to make themselves low to follow the master's orders. It speaks to a servant that would obey without question. A servant that would voluntarily make themselves low and and participate in something bigger than themselves. Isn't that beautiful, by the way, that we are servants of Christ, that we are free men and free women, yet we voluntarily make ourselves low for the cause of Christ. We, We voluntarily make church about picking up a towel and serving and making a way for others to come and know Jesus. Isn't that incredible? It's beautiful. And, and that, that would be enough. That would be enough. But then the Apostle Paul says something else, and this is what I find so interesting, is he doesn't stop there. While that would be enough, he doesn't stop there. And he says, we're servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So what's a steward? Because we don't use that word. What's a steward? A steward was a manager of the household. He was the second in charge. On behalf of the owner, the steward led. He managed the house, managed the finances of the house, managed the other household servants. Think about it. To the master, the steward was a slave. But to the other slaves or servants, the steward was a master. He was leading in the middle. He was, if you want to say it, leading second. He was leading while not in charge. And this is where my ministry call came alive years ago when I heard this taught. I realized that's my place in the body of Christ. That I follow a pastor. I serve in a church. I serve, I'm not a lead pastor. I don't want to be a lead pastor. God would really have to work on my heart. I think, I think they're crazy. Um, <laughs> Like they're awesome, but they're crazy. And, and I just, I don't want to, I just want to hold their arms up. I just want to see everything that's in their heart, everything that God has placed in their heart become a reality. Like I'm willing to go second and be second to hold up somebody else's arms. And, and as I started looking around in the body of Christ, I started realizing for most of us, that's our place in the church. John Maxwell says 99% of all leadership in an organization comes from the middle, not from the top. And most people, if you think about it, most people will not spend their lives as CEO, as president, as owner. Most people will lead from the middle. Most people will lead while not ultimately being in charge. This is a space we have to learn. This is a space that we have to master. And as I've tried to demonstrate with the first follower, this is a space that's having a dramatic effect on your church today. Our churches are at sizes where when people come in the front doors on a Sunday, it's highly likely they don't meet the pastor on their first visit. So think about it. Their entire perception of the church is not based on the pastor. It's based on the whole group of leading second first followers. I've, I've um, done ministry for pastors before that were on sabbatical for two, three, four months. 
and I think pastors is a little scary. They don't quite know what they're coming back to, you know, at the end of the end of that. And it's, it's always amazing to me because what's, what's happened in some of those seasons is people will come to the church, they'll go through growth track and they'll start serving and never have met their lead pastor. How does that happen? It's because we're a part of something a whole lot bigger than one man, a whole lot bigger than one couple. We are stewards. They, they encountered the stewards of the house, the, the stewards of the mysteries of God. And Paul is saying here, this is what sets the house in order. Remember, Paul's ordering the house. And he's saying, this is what sets the house in order. Servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. This will mess with your head. This will mess with your head that the, the, the thing that tells you you've got to be out front to matter. You've got to be the one whose name is in lights to matter. You've got to be the one whose thing goes viral to matter. This will mess with your head and remind you, no, there's something a whole lot bigger going on in the kingdom than we, than we realize. Amen. I mean, I really love one of the things that Pastor Brandon said in there, and it was a question that I think all of us should be considering and taking note of, especially people listening. You know, it's we're getting into summer, and this could be a time where uh, there's the summer slump as we know it, and times where we're going on vacation, and there's also times right now where maybe you're having hard conversations, and uh, it's hard to see all the good things that are happening. And one of the questions that he asked that I want all of us to think through is, he said, I wonder if you have eyes to see what is special and what is beautiful about your house. And, you know, I find it fitting that maybe right now we should just ask that question. Um, and and I'd love to start with you guys, Kelly, first to see, you know, what, what do you find that's um, special and beautiful about your house? Um, when I think about my house, I think about how um, our lead pastors have forged this trail that has been so transparent. Um, they are so vulnerable and honest and real in everything that they do and how I've watched that. And they have this just undeniable, like bulldog faith, like in their story of what they've come through. And so when I watch our house and I look at our house and I see how that has really translated in and through um, cause we have three locations and I've seen that translate through all of our locations, just a realness, a vulnerability, uh, where people know that they can come into our house and they don't have to hide. They don't have to, um, hold anything back. They can be themselves. They can be real and they know that they're going to be loved and they know that they're going to find hope and joy in the midst of their circumstances, whatever that looks like, whatever condition they are when they come into um, The Rock. And I think that's just so special. I think especially in the culture that we live in now, that can be kind of hard to find people that'll just tell all their stuff, you know, and um, our lead pastor, he always jokes that like, you don't, you don't have to out me. I'm going to tell him myself, <laughs> you know, like he's just, just very real and vulnerable. And I, I love that about our house, that that has just been forged in and through the entire, all of our locations. I just think that's so special. I love that you said bulldog faith. That's, that's awesome as well. Um, Clark, Clark, uh, go for it for yourself. What do, what do you find, you know, beautiful and special about your house? You know, for us, everything just comes from the top. Everything comes from a 
my pastors, Roger and Kim Yaden, and I, I truly wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I've had the privilege to serve alongside them for the last seven years through a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Um, every different season has just showed me that their character is true. They're faithful to God. And when you know what it looks like behind the scenes for your pastors, uh, it gives you just the confidence for the whole church that everything is coming from, from that. And being able to see, it, it, there's the saying that the grass is greener where you water. And truly, I've been able to see my pastors till the soil of our house, um, planting, sowing seeds, and truly there has been fruit we get to see. There's there's so much life that comes from them. And I'm just so thankful that if I were to be given to any opportunity to serve somewhere else, it doesn't matter, money, position, whatever, I wouldn't do it because I know where God has me and the kind of pastors I serve alongside. It's It's incredible. That's really awesome. I know that in our house, um, I'm from Champion Center and we've got Pastor Kevin and, you know, he's been pastoring for 36, I think, years. And so I think for me, one of the things I find just so special and beautiful about that is it's a generational church. Like there's people that have been a part of the church for the entire 36 years that they had kids and then their kids had kids. And so it's like literally seeing generations uh, coming together in just one church. And I, I know for myself, I'm thankful for that every day, just knowing that, you know, uh, my mom is there, my wife's family is there, and I've got kids and they get to attend. And I know that they're going to be loved. And so I find that so um, fulfilling for me in our house, knowing that generations matter and that we're always going to be thinking multiple generations down the road. And so wherever you're at, if you're listening right now, I'd actually encourage you to pause it for a second and really think about how or what's what's special about your house, what's beautiful about it. And just be reminded that uh, in every season, no matter how hard or difficult, there's something special happening at your house. And so I'd encourage you think about it, meditate on it. And uh just make it make it a thing. Make it a thing regularly to think about your house and how great it really is. So with that said, I've got another question for you guys. You know, we're talking about servants and stewards. And uh, one of the things that I realized is that there's different character characteristics for people who are being stewards and being good stewards over their house. And so I'd love to hear from uh, both of you guys just for a second. You know, what's one characteristic that you see in people who are good stewards over their houses? I'd like a few things come to my mind. I think you have to be willing to be a good steward. You just have to be willing to jump in. Like you're, you're there to serve, not to be seen. Um, you just, there's a willingness that just says, if, if the toilets need cleaned, I'm going to do that. You know, like just, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm not about a title. I'm not chasing after people knowing that I'm doing these things. I just, I take on, I, I own this and this is what I'm going to do. And, and along with that, I think we carry the heart of our lead pastors and that we see how they see. Like I, I consider it one of my main responsibilities to be able to walk into a room and see it, how my lead pastors would see it. And, and if there's anything that needs to be adjusted or, or shifted that, that that's my responsibility because I want to be a good steward, that it's not just what I'm stewarding, but it's who I represent in my stewardship and, and recognizing that it's, it's my responsibility and a privilege to be able to carry their heart 
and, um, and hopefully model that to everybody else around me. And then we're all doing that same thing. That's beautiful. It really is. And, um, Clark, I'd love to hear your take. You know, what, what's one characteristic that you would say uh, that you see in people who are good stewards over their house? The big thing that comes to mind is, is this idea of ownership mentality. Uh, it's really easy to walk into a space. And if, if you're not responsible for it, you can walk into a space. You don't notice things that an owner would notice, whether it's trash on the ground or the chip in the paint or whatever it might be. But owners, they tend to notice things that others don't notice. And Brandon was even talking about the idea of stewards. They're managing finances. They're managing uh, the servants. They're, they're managing the house. There's, there's a lot more to, to it than just doing the tasks. And I, I think of this just the, the other day, we were going camping, um, some friends of mine, and our car was breaking down and we were like really bummed out because we had our camping gear packed. We had it loaded. We were ready to go and we, we couldn't get anywhere. And so I called up my, my future father-in-law just by chance. He might have an extra vehicle we could use. And sure enough, he let us use a truck and the camping trip was saved. But you better believe um, I was taking care of that thing. I was babying it. I, after we were done camping, I got it washed. I vacuumed it. I, I made sure, well, unfortunately there was a check engine light that came on. Thank the Lord it came off, but I was ready to pay for the the expenses because all of a sudden I shifted into an ownership mentality because I felt the weight and the responsibility of that truck. And I think in the same way, when we own the space and that in God's house, we, we feel that weight and responsibility. It's a different mindset. It's a different mentality. We just see things differently when we have that lens on. That's awesome. Love the story. <laughs> and it's a bummer about the car, obviously, but glad it all worked out in the end. And, um, you know, Pastor Brandon was talking uh, throughout, obviously, about stewards and servants. And one of the things that he was talking about was, you know, he works with a lot of churches and a lot of pastors. And, you know, some of them, the some of the lead pastors will take like a sabbatical, whether that's one month, two, three, even four months at a time. And you never really know what you're going to come back to. <laughs> you know, you've put years of effort and um, years of just brute force into making this church work and doing something for God. And then you step away and you're like, did it work? <laughs> did, did this thing work out for our, our church? And, you know, as we're leading in the second chair, one of our jobs is to make sure that, you know, our pastor's heart is still a part of the church, even when he's not there. And, you know, maybe the person listening, their pastor doesn't take a month long sabbatical. Maybe, uh, they're just around, uh, people just on a general basis and the pastor isn't there. You know, one of the other things that the pastor Brandon said was our leadership is in the, in the middle has a dramatic effect on our churches today. When people come to the church today, it's highly unlikely they'll meet the senior pastor on their first visit. And so I guess a question for you guys is what can we do in the second chair to ensure that our pastor's heart reaches people who come through the doorways of our church even when he's gone. And so, um, Kelly, why don't you start us off? Um, this one hit 
right down my alley because the way that our locations work, we have three locations and um, we have two in Arizona and one in Oklahoma City. And so we, you, chances are you're not going to meet Pastor Kevin your first three weeks at any given location. You know, like it's just, we rotate and he tries to be at a different location every weekend um, over the summer, it's exactly like they have different teaching invites and different places that they go. And um, so we're actually in the middle of one of those seasons now where I don't think he'll be at my location the entire month. And so this is so vital. And for me, what I've learned is to um, that like anything that they are imparting to us that we're swiveling those of us that sit in the second chair, we're swiveling those things to our teams around us. Um, as a location pastor, I consider it one of my highest responsibilities that when whatever I'm getting through staff meetings or different conversations, um, even just the consistent repetition of our vision and our mission, and this is this is our why, and this is this is why we're doing this. And I think the more that that they're hearing that from us. But that it doesn't just stop there, that then they're turning around and they're swiveling it to their teams. So if the if, say, the team leads are getting it from me, then they're turning around and they're giving it to their teams. And then the further it keeps going. And um, I think one of the greatest compliments we've ever gotten is everybody sounds the same like everybody talks the same way, like everybody's verbiage is matching. Um, and that was from a new family a few years back. And we've we've heard that over time that says that means we're all on the same page, you know, like we're all in alignment and how important that is considering our, our model is that you're probably not going to meet the lead pastor maybe for a month of being there or two months if you're not consistent, you know, so that his heart, their hearts are so in the forefront of everything that we do that even though he might not physically be there, they're still very much there and present in everything in everything that we do. I I love that a lot. I know I relate to that in our own way at our church at Champion Center. Uh, I come from Yakima, which is about two hours away from our central location where Pastor Kevin is. And so, just like you're saying, like they may not meet the senior pastor for weeks, even for us, potentially months before they even meet that person. And so I love that you're saying like the verbiage matters so much that everybody talks the same and, and all of that, that hits home huge for me. And so I love that you said that, uh, Clark, I'd love to ask you the same thing. You know, what, what can we do in the second chair, uh, to ensure that our pastor's heart reaches people who come through the doorways of our church, even when he's gone? Yeah, my answer comes from a really unique season that we're, we've been in for the last year and a half or so. You know, we our church has been a small church for a long time in the back of a school somewhere, you know, mobile church. And it was just about a year and a half ago, um, we were able to get a building. We were gifted the building. It was, it was awesome. And we've seen a lot of growth. And more than ever, what's happened with us is we are really grappling with what happens when you grow really fast. And for us, we have to multiply ourselves. And I'm feeling this challenge right now. Um, you know, in small church, uh, team leaders are often used to being so close to doing the task or, or being close to the front line of the ministry activities. And for us, 
that multiplying looks like being leaders of leaders. We have to multiply our pastor's voice. We have to uh, multiply um, ourselves and make sure uh, Pastor Roger's heart and, and the vision of the church gets multiplied. It gets invested. Like we have to be sowers. I think of about the the parable of the talents where um, the servants at the end of the day were just asked whether they were multiplying what they had. Did they do something with what they had? And for me, we, we're in a time where we really have to multiply ourselves and make sure, just like Kelly, that, that's inspirational for me, to make sure we're all um, so sounding the same and that we have one unified vision because um, pastor, our pastor can't do it all and even the top layer of leaders can't do it all. We have to multiply. We have to invest. I love just how uh, in sync your answers definitely are together. Just knowing that, man, repeat, repeat and echo what the pastor says, duplicate, and just make sure that people know that, you know, we have one vision and one heart and we're going in the right direction together. So we actually have another part of Pastor Brandon's message we'd love to, to go through really quick. So why don't we go ahead and listen and then we'll take some practical steps right afterwards. A servant serves a vision. But a steward owns the vision as if it were their own. A servant serves out of obligation or duty. But a steward leaves with leads with passion and conviction. Passion, by the way, the Bible word for passion is suffering. Just so you know. <laughs> what are you willing to suffer for? What are you willing to sacrifice for determines what you love. Here's an important one. A servant focuses on a task, but a steward focuses on fruit and profit. Now think about this. A servant focuses on a task, a steward focuses on fruit and profit. Think about the last time you were at a restaurant and you had the owner come by and fill up your water. They don't have to do that. They have hired people to do that. Why did that owner fill up your glass of water? Why? Because it matters to them that you come back. It matters to them that you leave a good Yelp review. It matters to them that you bring all your friends next time and you have your birthday party there and you spend $300 at a table the next time you're there. It matters to them. And so, hey, if the forward movement of this restaurant means I have to fill up a glass of water, hey, somebody give me a towel, somebody give me a pitcher, somebody give me a customer, and I'm just there to serve. I'm just there to, because it's not about the task anymore. It's about the forward movement of the thing. That's when you'll know you've shifted. Is when you show up, if you show up at, at church to just kind of check your box and fulfill your green check on the planning center roster and be done, you're a servant. But if you show up saying, how can I move this church forward today? How can I own this vision today? You know what you'll do? That'll find you doing things you'll never get the credit for. No one will ever see, but you're doing it out of passion and conviction. Because if, if I have this conversation, if I encourage this person, if I connect with this person, if I do this task, I am moving the church 
church forward today. That's the heart of a steward, stewarding the mysteries of God. If you'll wrestle through what this means for you, if you'll let Jesus affirm your ministry call that he's placed on your life, it says at the end of this verse, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. I don't know if we have any greater target in ministry right now than to be found faithful. What's the goal of ministry right now? Is it to build a big church? No. Is it to build a sexy church? No. Is it to build a cool Instagram-worthy church? No. Those things are all fruit and of the byproduct. The target in ministry is to build a faithful church. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. I don't know if there's any greater target for my life and your life than to simply be found faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive this today? Servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. Amen. So let's go ahead and get practical and talk about how we can become stewards rather than servants. And just a refresher of what Pastor Brandon just was talking about. He said, a servant serves a vision. A steward owns a vision as if it were their own. A servant serves out of obligation or duty, while a steward leads with passion and conviction. A servant focuses on a task and a steward focuses on fruit and profit. So like there's definitely a difference between the two where a servant jumps in and does their job while a steward treats it like it's the only thing that they can do. It's their, it's, they own it. And, you know, I, I, when I think about the difference between servants and stewards, I really think about, you know, how they kind of learn or, or how they get their job done. Personally, I like to learn through analogies. So I'll just give you guys one really quick. Um, and it's the difference between echoes and whispers where, you know, an echo is something that you hear and it's loud. It bounces off the walls and, and anybody can hear that and then start to repeat that. So, you know, in our churches, it's almost like an echo might be something like a, a mission statement or a value or something that the pastor always says from the platform. You know, for Champion Center, our mission is with Christ at the center, we move life forward relationally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And what I've realized is a servant can catch that and say that, no problem, because it's said so often. On the other hand, though, that there's there's whispers. And whispers are things that you have to like intently dive into. Like you have to get focused and and you almost have to like study. You got to get really close to understand what's actually being said. And so like a whisper might be, you know, the things that your pastor just is, is excited about that maybe he doesn't like say loudly, but you can just tell, like he lights up every time he talks about fill in the blank, or maybe it's, you can tell like there's a burden on, on their heart and maybe they haven't said it publicly or said it loudly, but you can tell that there's, there's just something that they're holding on to. And that's something that you're trying to reach out to as well. And you know, whatever that may be, it's our job as servants to, to repeat the echo, but it's also our job as stewards to repeat the whisper or at least catch it. So I guess practically speaking, you know, one of the practical takeaways I personally have is that I need to not just know the echoes. Like I, I need to know what our mission is, what our vision is. And, you know, the things that, that, 
our pastor talks about, but I also need to repeat the whispers. Like, what are the things that are dear to our pastor's heart that just lights him up or takes him to a next level personally? And so that's practically what I would love to, for all of us to take away is, is maybe that this week, maybe that means just studying your pastor, <laughs> getting on Instagram and seeing what are they really talking about or watching the way they talk to people. How are they responding and uh, what, what's their intent with everything they do? So those are my practical takeaways and I hope people uh, get something out of that. But but uh, Kelly, I'd love to hear from you. Do you have some sort of like practical takeaway you can give our listeners today? Um, Kind of similar to what you were saying. I think we should all carry that heart that says what matters to my pastor is going to matter to me. Like whatever is important to them, I need to learn those things and they need to be important to me and not just important to me um, on the surface, but that I carry them in my heart. Like I'm carrying the heart of my lead pastors. And um, I think some practical, like, it's just, it's kind of what you said, paying attention. Um, Like, I look through our location and I know the energy that my lead pastor carries. And when he's going to step into a room, it changes. He he's excited and he's up and that's just his personality. It's who he is. He's fun. Um, And so if I'm going to carry his heart, I should carry that same energy. And I think even like in those everyday things like that, we have to be thinking of that Um, because especially if we go back to the previous question, if they're gone, we want that same energy as if they were there. So what matters to him is that people are encouraged and people leave feeling full of hope and excited. So practical for me is that I'm carrying that same heart that he carries and that our leaders are carrying that same heart, that they're getting a picture of our lead pastors through us. And if we're going to successfully do that, then we have to carry that same, what matters to them matters to matters to me and make it really personal and be willing to be all in, um, and not be bound by, Oh, well, that's just not my personality or, you know, we can make all kinds of different excuses in our humanity. Uh, but if we're in this role, we're in it for a reason. And there is, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And so I have to be willing to look and say, that might not be most comfortable for me, but I'm going to jump out and I'm going to do that because it matters to them. And so it's going to matter to me and I'm going to carry that same that same heart practically. I am pretty sure I'm going to keep that on repeat. What matters to them matters to us. I think that's really special. And I think that's going to take, I think that kind of wraps up a whole lot of what we're, we've been talking about all day um, to being a steward and being an owner of the house. Um, Clark, I'd love to hear from you as well. You know, what's something practical our tribe can do this week? Yeah, when I was thinking about this, uh, how does someone move from being more of a steward, from from being a servant into being a steward? And Brandon said, a steward owns the vision as if it were their own. But how do you how do you help someone move from that mentality of it's someone else's thing to it's my thing? It's like as if it was really mine. How do you get someone into that? space. And I I think Kelly just touched on it. It it has to do with the heart. There's something that has to happen on the inside in order for that outworking to to become manifested, for for you to actually start being an owner, a steward, something has to change. And we got the, the S of a servant, 
we got the S of a steward. I think there's one that is really important to add here, and that's son or daughter, but that would mess up, you know, all, all the S's. Uh, because if I'm being honest, a lot of times I can relate to God as a servant and because I want to do things for God. It doesn't come out of a, a bad place, but I, I want to earn his favor. I want to work to make sure he's he's proud of me. And and there's a bit of that that's that's okay, right? Paul says we're servants to Christ. But the, at the end of the day, when we're stewarding God's household, when we're stewarding our pastor's household, it's important that the ownership piece comes from identity as a son or, or a daughter. Because if you have a dad who owns a business, you don't have to do anything to earn your spot as the next one to inherit it. You, you live as his son and we're sons of the king. And, and we take part as stewards simply because we're sons and daughters. And I think if we come from that identity of being uh, in the stewardship position as a son and daughter, then we can have the ownership mentality. So this would be my practical practical question for someone is, how do you relate to God? Do you tend to relate to him more as a servant? Like I, I catch myself all the time doing this. Uh, I will I will relate to him as a servant. Or do you relate to him as a son or a daughter? Because I think at that point, you can move into a healthy stewardship position where because you're his son, because you're his daughter, because you're a son of the house, you want to see the house succeed. You want to see um, its future be bright. You want to water the grass. You, you just want to make sure it goes well. So I would spend some time maybe in prayer this week, practically, just spend some time in prayer and ask, God, how do I relate to you? Uh, and, and I think if you'll spend time there, that will help your ownership, your stewardship tremendously. That was also very awesome to hear just about sons and daughters and you know how we relate to God. And so I think this week, we have a lot that we can be uh, doing leading second. We could be uh, getting in, into the weeds of, of our day to day, but let's not forget we're sons and daughters. Let's not forget that our house is beautiful. And let's not forget that what matters to them also matters to us. And so with that said, Kelly and Clark, thank you guys so much for joining us for this mini series, Summer Camp. Uh, grateful that you guys could be with us. I know this conversation was really great and I think some people got some good stuff out of this. So thank you guys again so much for joining us and leading second, we'll go ahead and have a great summer and we'll see you next time. check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.